Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of Romans, chapter 5, so grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. Look at verse 7 in your Bibles. For scarcely for a righteous man will one even dare to die. Listen, give me your attention. We hear of heroes. Even while I was preparing, sometime, believe it or not, I like to prepare. And I'll have the news on. CNN, you know, WREL news, whatever. I'll have the news on. And while I was preparing even this study, Friday I'm sitting there talking about heroes I don't know if you heard the story Friday of this woman who over in Durham. Did y'all hear this story? And she ran, she went across the bridge and she ran off the, off the bridge and ran through the guardrail and, and her, her car. Did, y'all, did anybody hear that story? Okay, good. That was a, nobody in first service heard this story. I was like, oh, y'all just, y'all, y'all, do y'all watch the news? Y'all are familiar on world events in first service. They're like, no, we don't know anything. I'm like, okay. All right. So this story, this woman runs off the bridge and, and her car goes into the water, turns upside down and she's trapped. And following behind her was a male and a female. And they pulled off, of course, and they jumped out of their cars and they ran into the water and they obviously had to break the window or something like that to get the woman out of the car because the water was filling up. And, 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 and they saved this woman and they did a story on, you know, the, the woman and, and, and the people who saved her. And the, the lady said, oh, they're my heroes, she said, because they, they, they jumped in and they, and they saved my life. Oh, we hear stories of heroes. We hear of firemen who run into buildings that are being burned and to save the lady or to save the baby, and the fireman runs in and sacrifices his well-being to go into the burning building to save the lady and to save the baby. The fireman comes out with the baby, and people go, oh, you're a hero. You saved people. But listen, yes, they are heroes. Yes, they did go into bad situations. But let me help you understand something with Jesus. Are you listening? It was different because Jesus is the greatest hero. Somebody say amen. Jesus is the greatest hero. And that when Jesus came into the world to pull us out of the fires of hell, if you will, Jesus came different than the guy who saved the lady or the guy who saved the baby in the burning building. Jesus came into the world knowing that he was going to die. You see, the fireman goes into the building hoping to come out with the person. Somebody say amen. Help me. The the guy and the lady went to save the, the lady in the water not to sacrifice their life but hoping to get the lady and to bring her with themselves out of the water. Jesus came into the world 
understanding prior to coming that he was going to die for the ungodly. Amen. That he was going to give his life for us. He understood that in the beginning. And yet, that's why the Bible says, by no means, and listen to me close, did anybody kill Jesus. Nobody killed him. The Bible says that he gave his life. For God so loved the world that he what? Gave his only begotten. Nobody killed Jesus. All the Romans and the Jews, they killed Jesus. No, they didn't kill him. He voluntarily laid down his life. Scarcely, notice in verse 7, scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet perhaps a good man, some would even dare to die. But God demonstrated his love toward us in that while we were still actually in the Greek language, still in the process of sinning. Christ did what? He died for us. How do you know that God loves us? We know that God loves us because he laid down his life for us. In other words, God loved us so much. Listen. That he did something with that love. The Bible says that he demonstrated his love toward us. God did something. Search the scriptures. See if you can find a place. Matter of fact, I'll buy you lunch. Maybe not. (laughs) But search the scriptures and see if you can find a place where Jesus face to face said to someone, I love you. You won't find it. Now, we do get close to that. And we can see Jesus in circles of people. But to look face to face and say, Jesus to say to an individual, I love you, you won't find that in the Bible. And the reason for that is that because Jesus understands that it is more important to show someone you love them than to tell them you love them. Wives, say amen. Amen. And you know that's right. You know, wives are all the time, well, if you love me, then you show me. You say it, but you don't mean it. (laughs) No women, well, if you love me, then give me your credit cards. (laughs) (laughs) Give me some money if you love me. Husbands say, well, if you love me, then cook me something to eat. (laughs) Say amen, fellas. You know, that's why give me something to eat because if you love someone, here's my point is simply this. If you love somebody, then you show them you don't just tell them. So Jesus didn't walk around telling people, hey, love you. Love you, mean it. Yeah, man. Love you. Yo, man. Me. Love you. Love you. He didn't do that. And the reason why, 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 Rodney? Why didn't he do that? Because he knew, listen, he knew January 23rd, 1982, which is the day I gave my life to Christ. He knew he wasn't going to be here that day. And he knew that I, Rodney, am going to need to know his love. I, Rodney, am going to need to know the power and the presence of God. And he wasn't going to be here to say, hey, Rodney, love you, mean it. So he did what? He showed me he loved me. And he showed you he loved you. 
by going to the cross. And now, if you don't have to question whether God loves you or not, the next time you do, all you have to do is look at the cross. Hey, you're wearing one around your neck. The next time you say, hey, does God love me? I don't know if God loves me. I'm going through so much. Does God love me? I don't even know. <laughs> How y'all do? I don't even know. The next time you think that, or Satan should deceive you into thinking that God doesn't love you, all you need to do is look at the cross. For God demonstrated his love toward us in that while we were yet still sinning it up, Christ died for us. If you understand, say amen. amen. This is hugely important that you get this. The cross is God's message to man. Of his love toward us. Somebody once wrote it like this and they said, The cross showed man at his worst and God at his best. Nothing great or wonderful ever happened on a cross, and nothing great or wonderful was supposed to happen on a cross. But on the cross of Jesus, something great and wonderful happened. Our sins were forgiven, our iniquity was pardoned and cleansed, our guilt was eradicated, and our life was transformed by the power of God, and our victory was won. A love that God shows us is a love that is demonstrated to man. Amen, saints? Hey, perhaps you remember, I don't know, maybe you'll be dating yourself here, but perhaps you remember the Hallmark greeting card slogan, which said, when you care enough to send your very best. You, you Go and date yourself. You remember that? Okay, good, because that was a long time ago. When you care enough to send your very best, well... God cared enough to send his very best, and his name is Jesus. He sent his very best. God continually demonstrates his love toward us. Last week I was traveling, and you guys know, flying out to Southern California, and you know, I was reading an article, and get this, you, you familiar with Howard Stern? Yeah, he's called the Shock Jock. And the reason why he's gotten this title, the shock jock, is because of the shocking things that he says and the controversial statements that he makes. Did you know that Howard Stern makes more than $20 million a year? Howard Stern has more than 25 million listeners. The shock jock. Well, get this. I'm reading this article and I'm shocked at what people can say under free speech. So I'm reading this article, and Howard Stern said this. Get this, 24 hours after Columbine, we all remember Columbine. 24, after, 24 hours after the Columbine shooting, Howard Stern said this. There were some really good-looking girls running out of that school. Did those kids, or talking about the shooters, try to have sex with them if you're going to kill yourself and the kids why wouldn't you want to have some sex the shock jock also said after the september 11th terrorist attack he said this new york prostitutes ought to do what everyone else is doing they ought to donate their services to firemen while they're digging out the bodies. The shock jock making these shocking statements 
Howard Stern should be happy that I'm not God. Because I would say, Howard, I hope you like warm weather where you're going. Can I get a witness? You understand. That's me. That's not God. Can you get your mind around this? God demonstrates his love even toward Howard Stern. God loves Howard Stern. God died for man's worst sin. Jesus died for the dregs of humanity. And it's hard to get your mind around that. But you can't even take a cursory review of the Bible and not see that there were many Howard Stearns, if you will, because sin is sin to God. I mean, we put it on our scale, but sin is sin. Somebody say amen. This is all sin. I can't get my mind around it. I like to kind of scale it out. Because, you know, when we scale out our sins, see, now I can look a little bit better than you. Especially y'all. No, <laughs> you know, we scale it out. Well, this sin's worse than that. Well, okay, fine. No, that's not God. And you read the Bible and you can see that, you know, I think of people like Mary Magdalene, who was a demon-possessed woman who became the first person to witness the resurrected Jesus. And then I think of the woman at the well who had been married five times and even the guy that she was currently with wasn't even her husband, Jesus said. And then who can miss Paul the Apostle, who was a Christian murderer, a persecutor of the church. He called himself the chief of all sinners, killing men, women, boys, and girls, all in the name of religion and Judaism. And Jesus interrupted his life and said, Saul, why are you persecuting me? I got plans for you. You see, we're not like God. We would probably say, I hope you like warm weather where you're going. And Jesus says, no, I got a plan for you. I, Jesus says, demonstrate my love to you. That even while you were sinning, you didn't stop. Y'all getting this? You didn't stop sinning and say, well, I don't think I'll stop sinning now. Oh, God. No, you were doing your thing. While you were sinning, Christ died for you. Christ died for Howard Stern. Christ died for Rodney. God demonstrates his love toward us. Now, look at verse 9. I'm coming in for a landing. Look at verse 9. We see in verse 9 the first much more. Listen, if God demonstrated his love toward us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us much more than, listen, it makes sense. Having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from the wrath of God. Now here is another benefit of justification. We are saved from wrath. Listen, this is a reference to the wrath of God, speaking of the great tribulation, or the Bible calls it the time of Jacob's trouble. 
We are saved. Christian, listen, if you're a Christian, get the CDs on Revelation. I can't go over all this. That's a shameless plug, isn't it? We are saved from God's wrath. There are basically four different views as it relates to the Christian and the wrath of God or the great tribulation. You have the pre-tribulationist view, which teaches that the church is going to be raptured before the tribulation, the seven years of tribulation on the earth. That's the pre-tribulation view. And then you have the mid-tribbers, mid-tribulationists, who believe that the tribulation is seven years and halfway through three and a half years, the church will be raptured from the earth. And not only do you have pre-trib, mid-trib, but you also have post-trib, which means that people believe that the church will be raptured after that. The church will go through the tribulation and be raptured after the tribulation. So we're going to go through the tribulation. And then you have the pan-tribulationists, and they just believe that it all pan out in the end, so don't even worry about it. I'm not so sure that's not a bad position to take. And look, I really don't care what you believe about the tribulation. It it doesn't matter. It doesn't mean we're not brothers just because we disagree on that. I am a pre-tribulationist. I believe the church will be raptured. First Thessalonians chapter five, verse nine tells us for God has not appointed to us a day of wrath, but to obtain salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. I believe that prior to the tribulation, we are going to be raptured up. And then we're going to have a ringside seat. As we watch the tribulation happening on the earth. But it doesn't matter what you believe. Listen, we're all going to be in heaven together. And when we're in heaven, I'll come up to you and say, see, I told you it was going to happen before the <laughs> You should listen to me, but it's okay. We're all here. That's the important thing. <laughs> you see? So, you know, it doesn't matter. But the reality is the Bible teaches is that one of the benefits of being justification, here's my point, of being justified, is that we are saved from the wrath of God. Now, does that mean we're not going to experience some difficulties here on earth before the tribulation begins? I can't say that. I'm not as naive to, to believe that we won't have any difficulties. It's very, very possible that we'll experience and see biological terrorism. It's very possible that we'll see a nuclear bomb explode. It's very possible that we'll face some type of suffering in this world. But know this, when God starts to pour out his wrath, we won't be here. Why? Somebody say amen. Amen. Why? Because Jesus took the wrath of God for us upon himself. Remember when he was in the garden and he prayed, Father, if is any other way for men to be saved, let this cup of suffering pass from me. But nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. The cup of suffering, you know, you've been around here speaks to the wrath of God on the cross. Don't you remember when Jesus said, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Because the, and it was in those three hours of darkness that Jesus was bearing the sin of the entire world on his shoulders. Don't you remember even there on the cross, Jesus, before he took his last breath, he said, to telestai. To telestai? What's that? In the Greek language, that means it is finished. It means it is paid in full. When Jesus said to telestai, notice he didn't say there's still some work to be done. He didn't say I got something else more to do. He said, it 
is finished, what's finished, that God the Father would pour out on God the Son the sin, the wrath of the entire world so that when you put your faith in Jesus, now you have been delivered from the wrath of God. And I believe you're not going to face the wrath of God. And much more than in verse 9, look at it in your Bibles, being justified by his blood, will be saved from that wrath. And then in verse 10, as we wrap it up, Paul is saying... If we were reconciled, go ahead and look at it in verse 10. If we were reconciled when we were enemies and at our worst, how much more will he do for us now that we've been made right with him? If we were reconciled when we were enemies, how much more are we saved by his life? You see that? We're saved by his life. Now, saints, listen, let me try to wrap this up for you. The gospel message is this. That Christ gave his life. Are you listening? That Christ gave his life for us. But the gospel message, and we need to understand also, not only did Christ give his life for us, but Christ gave his life, watch this, to us. He gave his life for us, and he also gave his life to us. Don't you remember? As Jesus died, he didn't just die. He died and he rose again and he rose again in order to do a work in our lives. In other words, Christ lives in order to live in us. His life becomes our life. I'm going to say that again. His life becomes our life. And now we live for him. Now he's poured out his love for us. He's poured his spirit into us. When he died, he rose again, giving you life. And now you're to live your life for him. Paul said, for me to live is who? Christ and to die is gain. Christ in me, the Bible says, the hope of glory. When you become a Christian, you receive Christ into your heart. The Holy Spirit then comes to live with inside of you. Y'all listening? And you are now, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, now you are the temple of the living God. Christ now lives in you. We shall be saved, Paul says, by his life. Not only does God or Jesus dismiss the charges against us when we give our lives to him, but then he takes up residence in us. And that's what gives us the power to live a different life. Christian, your life's to be different. It's mighty quiet in here. But your life is to be different. Amen. Not like the world. Not like the world. Everything you do should be different. Your business practices should be different. Your financial dealings should be different. The way that you talk and relate in the workplace should be different. The way you act at school should be different. Your friends should see a different life in you. If you say I'm a Christian, then do us all a favor and live like one. Because Christ is in you. And if he's in you, listen to me. If he's in you, he's given you the power to say no. I'm glad two people agree with that. 
He's given you the power to say no. He's given you the power to walk in holiness. He is your life. When you become a Christian, it's not just a title, like because I'm a Christian because I live in America and eat apple pie and go to baseball games. That's not being a Christian. That's living in the United States. But we're Christians because Christ is in us and our lives are different. And Christ has empowered us. And now we've been justified. And you've got access. And you stand in his grace. And you've been washed in the blood. And you've been forgiven. And you've been blessed. I don't know about you, but I have been blessed. Blessed? You know, that seems like an understatement. Sometimes, how you doing? Blessed. How's things going? Blessed. Blessed? Do you know how blessed you are? Man, we can go on and on and on and talk about the blessings of God. Read the Bible. We've been justified. We've got access to God. we got the grace of God. been washed in his blood and delivered from the wrath that is to come upon the world. Blessed. You know, I'm trying to get myself out of saying that to tell you the truth. Because blessed is like the overarching term. And then we could talk all day about how we're blessed. That's kind of overarching. Now I'm trying to say, how you doing? More blessed. Then I know more blessed. We are blessed. Walk in that blessing. Walk in the truth of God's word. Christ in you. Christ in you. Make a difference where you live because Christ has given you the power. You can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. But without him, you can do nothing. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch and Calvary Chapel Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.